Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a Seven West Media podcast. So I've had to break the bad news to a lot of men, hundreds and hundreds of men, that they're going to die, if I could just be blunt. And so many of them, when they talked about their regrets, said, gee, if I had my time all over again, I'd have spent more time with my kids. I don't know what got into me when I was young. And now it's too late. Whenever Dr Bruce Robinson speaks, I think we should all listen. His experience, passion and dedication have been helping dads across the world for the last 20 years. And when it comes to being dad, this bloke is one of the all-time greats. Listen up, dads and dads-to-be. You'll thank me for it. I'm Alex Cullen, and welcome to Being Dad. This week, we're bringing you a chat we recorded a few months ago now that we'd planned to publish as our first episode. Now, we were so impressed that we thought we should wait until we have a large enough audience to do this guy justice. Being Dad is growing. How good's that? And it's reaching across the globe now, and we think today's message about positivity, being in your kids' lives as much as you can, spending time with your kids is perfectly timed for now. My guest is Dr. Bruce Robinson. His chosen career is cancer research, which would keep most dads from doing anything else, really. But not Bruce, who on top of his incredible work as a doctor, teacher and scientist, is also one of the world's leading experts on how to be a better dad. He's a former Western Australian of the Year. He has an Order of Australia Medal for his community work. He's written best-selling books, including The Blue Book of Tips for Fathers and Father Figures, and my favourite, Daughters and Their Dads. He's also the leader and founder of The Fathering Project. It's an incredible initiative that aims to improve our kids' development by helping fathers realise just how important we are in our children's lives and then giving dads the tools to help them be better at being dad. He's a fantastic teacher in the fathering space, I've got to tell you. A bit of a godfather of fatherhood, if you like. And if you're wondering why it sounds a bit tinny, like we're in a bathroom or something, it's because this was one of our first forays into recording via Zoom while we are on the road. But don't worry, we've got the hang of it now. Here he is, Dr. Bruce Robinson. Welcome to the Being Dad podcast, Bruce. G'day. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you inviting me. <laughs> it's so great to have you. You're, you're a legend in this space. You've been doing it for so long. Um, I, and I want to talk, first of all, about the Fathering Project. Congratulations, first of all, on the Fathering Project. It's such a wonderful initiative. Um, why did you start it? Uh, well, actually, to be honest, the the answer lies in what you said before, which is uh, I'm a doctor and uh, I'm actually a lung specialist, but also deals a lot with cancer, as you said. So I've had to break the bad news to a lot of men, hundreds and hundreds of men, that they're mm. going to die, if I could just be blunt. And so many of them, when they talked about their regrets, said, gee, 
If I had my time all over again, I'd have spent more time with my kids. I don't know what got into me when I was young. And now it's too late. So I actually wrote the book, Fathering from the Fast Lane, to help busy dads think about what they could do, you know, around a busy life to be better dads. And that's sort of what I thought would be the end of it, to be honest. But then it turned into the Fathering Project, which is now being rolled out across across all the schools in Australia. So to be honest, it's a bit of a surprise, but I know I feel, I do feel pretty good about it, not in a selfish way, but in a, knowing how much good it's going to do for Australia's future. Oh, mate, it's amazing. Oh, it's it's such a great place to for dads to go and, and get the help we need. And I want to, I'm going to put you on the spot here a bit, Bruce. Um, you can ask me, any, you can ask me anything, mate. <laughs> what, what sort of father would you describe yourself as? I know you're a dad, you've got three kids, um, your wife, uh, Jackie, as well. And, yeah, how, how would you describe yourself as a dad? Uh, probably, to be honest, mate, like, most dads stumbled, bumbled forward, did some good things, did some dumb things, got busy and got sucked in by work at times. Um, did You know, I guess, well, what would my kids say? They would say that I absolutely tried to be a good dad, yeah. um, that I loved them. I, there'd be no doubt in their mind that I loved them. I used to tell them all the time and I used to do things that showed them that. I think they would say that even though I did spend a fair bit of time with them, that I probably came home a bit tired and worn out and, you know, I'd fall asleep before they did reading books to them mm-hmm. or I'd be listening to them, watching their lips move and couldn't kind of quite even hear them. I was too mentally worn out. So I think they'd say that probably they – actually, I tell you, when I turned 60 – we had a family dinner and one of my kids says something really nice. He said, uh, look, Dad, I've seen how much you've had to travel in your work since we've all sort of grown up and left home. And I realise now that you sacrificed a lot of that to be home with us and spend more time with us when you could have been furthering your career. So I think they do appreciate some things at least about me. Yeah, that's magic. It's nice but to it could hear. It could have been better, you know. And I am grateful, just sorry to finish, jump in again. When my oldest son was about one, uh, we, I went to a fathering talk in America. We were going to a church, big church, and had a fathering talk. I was doing a doctorate in research and uh, they had this fathering session. I didn't really even think twice about it, nor did any of the other blokes, but all the wives kind of pushed us in the door and locked the door behind us, basically, and it was absolutely brilliant and life-changing. And all it did was say, look, number one, dads are important. And number two, here's some things that work. And I thought, gee, I could do better. So I'm grateful for that, as are many thousands of Australians for the Fathering Project doing the same thing for them. Get in early. You know, that's the point. Well, and that's, and I'm getting in early. You know, I'm at the other end of the spectrum. You know, I, you know, as you know, my, my two daughters were born just, geez, four months ago now. God, that's flown. Um, Mate, I'm struggling. I'm telling you now, it's just full on. It's mental. <laughs> um, you know, I'm holding down a full time TV job. Uh, I'm struggling. I'll be honest with you. Um, what's your What's your advice to someone like me who's who's dealing with these stresses? You know, this full time TV work, but at the same time, trying to be sane at home as well as at work. I think you've more or less used the right words. You accept the fact that it's a difficult time. Yeah. You know, I watched my 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 uh, number two son. He's just got a got a baby, and you know, 
he comes in to our place to, you know, I don't know what he was going to do to get some car keys or something, and he, he's just he's half asleep and he's exhausted and he's got a job as well. Mm. You know, I, I don't know. There's no way around the fact that those first few years are tiring. They're tiring and exhausting, and it's so important to do that in partnership, you know, with your partner, the tag team when, you know, kids are when the kids are waking up at night to, to look out for each other, to to be so tolerant of each other because, you know, when you're grumpy is when you, you start to get a bit sharp of tongue and, yeah, I know what you that's know, like. et cetera. But um, it, it, there's just no avoiding the fact. I mean, kids do not sleep for the right period of time during the, during the night. And I tell you, um, and then you, you go to work and you come home and your partner's exhausted and I tell you, it's just unavoidable. And so having a good relationship with your partner and good partnership, I do think you've got to be realistic about work, to be honest, in those early years. I mean, you don't get them back again, so you can't overwork. Mm. Um, and uh, also, if you, you've got to keep yourself healthy and robust, you know, like try and get out to the beach and have a swim and do a deal with your partner so that both of you can keep yourselves robust and uh, not be kind of ground down by it all. Stay off the drink. Stay off the drink. Have time with friends too. Catch yeah. up with your mates. Don't feel like you've got to hunker down for five years. Yeah, because it's funny that you say that because, yeah, you feel like you just want to stay in, in at home, you know. You want to you just sort of go into your shell a bit because you just think, God, it's so much effort to get these kids together and get them out on the out. In public, but you've just got to do it, don't you? Yeah, but that's where you've got to have a, a really good chat to your partner and make a deal. So, for example, a man has to say to his his wife, partner, you need some time with your friends. I will take the child. You know, you go and work out a few hours that you can, you know, like between whatever it is, breastfeeding and something or other, and I will go to the trouble of, and even if it's a question of, putting the baby in the car and being outside the coffee shop just in case all things, you know, collapse mm. in terms of breastfeeding. And the same, you know, like I've very, been very impressed. One of my son's mates said to me that, um, you know, his his mate just had a young baby and he came and watched the footy with my son. I said, oh, gee, that's really nice. He said, yes, my wife appreciates that I need to spend time with my friends, so she pushes me out the door to go and watch the footy with my mates like I've always done. That's great. And he's doing the same with her. Very impressive, very helpful. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, yeah, and I try and look after the girls, um, you know, while, while Bonnie goes down and gets a massage, just something like just for half an hour. You know, it just, just keeps us sane. You, and you, like you say, you've got to get out. And, like, you, you've been doing this for so long. I mean, you, you're a legend in this field. I mean, how many dads do you reckon you've interviewed over, over the, your lifetime? Well, for my books, I interviewed 400. Actually, not always 400 dads. For the daughter's book, I probably interviewed 30 or 40 daughters as well. So, yeah. But I've stopped interviewing people specifically for the Fathering Project, but in live audiences, I've probably spoken to 10 or 12,000 dads at schools and workplaces and all those sort of things, sporting clubs, and then the rest of the team have probably spoken, I don't know, to an equal number. And I know that, you know, like the videos we do and what have you been watched by probably, I don't know, hundred and hundreds of thousands of dads uh, now. Mm. Yeah, and I, I love talking to dads. I'll tell, you the, I'll tell you the truth. 
So, so I go to schools at night, and I've already done like a nine, ten-hour day as a doctor. I get home and I say to my wife, oh, I've got to go and, you know, got to go and get somewhere or other to a school. Where's that? She says, I think you better leave now. It's 45 minutes away and it's raining and it's cold and I don't know, I'll get lost. And, and I start abusing myself. What am I doing? And uh, I don't know why, you know, grumpy, grumpy. Why am I doing this? I should never have agreed. I've got to stop doing this. I'm too tired. I haven't had dinner. <laughs> I get into the room and there's like a 100 dads yeah. looking at me. They all love their kids and they yeah. just want to be better dads. That's why they're there. They're not there because their wives made them go, some of them, but they, they love their kids. They want to be better dads. And within two minutes, my heart has melted uh, and yeah. I'm loving being there. Honestly, <laughs> that is the absolute truth. Never once have I had to soldier on hating it. Mm. And yeah. so we've trans- the stories of transformation we've had Dads who came along because they thought they should and their lives have been totally changed. And interestingly, their wives say, you know what, that's the best thing that's ever happened to my, to my husband. He, he know, he's no longer a workaholic. He's doing things yeah. with the kids. The kids are, kids are happy. And I'll just yeah. finish with one little story. This bloke came and said to me, you know, tradie guy, big bloke. He said, oh, I used to come home and go straight to the office and do the books and the kids would be watching TV like zombies. But I went to your session and now it's totally transformed my life. And he said, and this is the thing that got to me, now when I park the car, when the kids hear the car come, instead of continuing to watch TV, they run out the front door and run up to me and throw their arms around me. <laughs> Welcome home, Dad. That's brilliant. Isn't that oh, beautiful? Yeah, it's just beautiful. I love hearing those stories, and I'm not. I'm looking forward to that sort of stuff. You know, like they're only four months old, and um, you know, down the track, that's just going to be fantastic. But you know, I I want to tell you about a day I had. I think it was yesterday. It was mental. Like I was up early. I had we were moving. We're actually moving uh, units, moving house. So I was doing that in the morning. Uh, I had a, a story in edit, um, which was very stressful. It, it was the the longest, hardest, most stressful day, and I was doing it on like three hours sleep probably less than that. And I thought, and I had this internal battle in my head. I was like, no, I can do this. I'm the dad. I'm the provider. I'm going to do this. I don't need anyone's help. Um, and it, it almost broke me. Is that the most common thing you hear? Like, uh, you know, dads just won't ask for help. They'll just sort of suffer in silence, I suppose, like I was yesterday. You're joking, aren't you, that an Australian male yeah. wouldn't ask for help and would suffer in silence. <laughs> uh, there's something about us. I tell you, I, I'm just as, oh, it's just as bad. I'm much better. I got better at it as the years went on. Yeah. And uh, Steve Bidoff, who's a friend of mine and I think one of Australia's most fantastic gifts to parenting, he's, he gave me some advice. He's given to a lot of people. He said, look, you know, your kids will go to school or you'll have different friends and some of your friends to be honest, won't be much help. They'll just tell you to snap out of it, move on, don't be a princess. Mm. You know, leave the, leave the parenting to your, to your partner. But you get other friends who say, you know what, I've, I've been down that road too and this is what works for me. And he said, choose the friends, choose to spend time with the other dads who know what you're talking about and can help you. You know, uh, so you're not soldiering on alone and then you find you can do the journey a whole lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so who can you talk to to ask for help? Well, you've got to find them. You know, sometimes there's someone in the family. Like, I mean, I got, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I got thousands of friends, of course, because I'm in medicine and football and, you know, all sorts of different groups. And I grew up in Perth, too. So, mm. 
you know, sort of can hardly go anywhere without seeing anyone I know. But I think who's actually a really good friend? Yeah. Like who's someone that I really feel like? And then, you know, the number gets narrowed down hugely. And so now I'm trying to and have been for some time trying to spend more time with, and that's Steve Biddulph's point, mm. more time with those people who, who you, if you just think about it long enough, you can uh, get to be friends with. But let me tell you a little spin-off from the Fathering Project. We mostly work through schools. We go to schools and we talk to the dads and then they form a dads group and they start doing, you know, camp outs with the kids and we provide videos to teach them, you know, how to handle bullying and how to help your kids with their education and all the dads and daughters, all that stuff. But a thing that never occurred to me, which has been an absolutely magical outcome, is that those dads now look out for each other. Mm. They look out for each other. And on one of our videos, one of the blokes, you know, he was a kind of bikey guy with a long beard and got separated and he wanted to be a good dad. And he said that he only survived because of all the other dads at school that formed this dad's group, got him through it all. That's fantastic. Now, your kids are a bit young, so you're not at it yet. I mean, mothers, mothers just... uh, they they just good at this, you know. They get together. You can see them the prams sitting around the coffee table, and I know that's so true. They do. They sit around and they they, they yak away. But we, we I don't know. We just we find that that first step quite hard. I think. Well, I think most Australian men. This is a well described phenomenon. Yeah. Men uh, usually have a lot of acquaintances, but not many good friends, and we're also not all that good at sharing. You know what's going on. You know because. Yeah. And I don't think that's uh, to be criticised. You know, I always imagine it's like a. Darwinian survival thing, you know, that we it's those who win battles who propagate their genes. And you only win battles if you can suppress your emotions and fight on and working and all that sort of stuff is like yeah. fighting, hunting, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, typically a soldier would when when he gets home from the war would weep about his friends. And I think men are just as emotional, just not at the moment. And so I think finding other blokes that can talk to them, but can talk to them in a way that's not demeaning. You know, snap out of it, move on, don't be a princess. That's unhelpful. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I bet you you probably have them in your life. If you if you trawl around and start talking to people, either at work or amongst your family or amongst your friendship network, or, you know, football. Actually, I haven't found football to be hugely... <laughs> I'm involved in a lot of football. That's Aussie rules. Uh, I've been yeah. played a lot and coached a lot, and I'm patron of one of the one of the clubs. Um, so sometimes you, get, you know, it's not really an environment where that sort of talk goes on. I don't think. Well, e- maybe Eagles. it is now, but it didn't used to be. Right, Eagles or Dockers fan, Bruce? Two bob each way, mate. Eagles when uh, when they started, but I was born in down in Fremantle, and my grandfather actually was a Docker. That was his job. So I got right. those. Purple blood cells flowing around me, so I'm two bob each way. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Um, when there's a derby on and someone rings and says you want a ticket, because yeah. these are like gold. I say no, give it to someone else, mate. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> you split down the middle. But I tell oh, you, the Fathering Project's very involved in the AFL. I don't know if you know yeah. that, but um, the AFL Coaches Association have asked us to run programs with them, and the Eagles, to their credit piloted this program and I know if you remember they won the premiership last year and they said that for three reasons number one family mm-hmm. number yeah. two friends number three flags and you got to hand it to the, the club administration the coach Adam Simpson 
They've really tried to get the pro their priorities right. And if you look at the Eagles, they really embody a, a balanced kind of life now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we claim some of the credit for that, but they really took the initiative to ask us down there. And, you know, so we're quite close to the Eagles in a lot of ways. Brilliant. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just, just to talk about what we said before about talking to people. Yeah, I'm seeing my best mate on Saturday. I can't wait. He's just had a, a little boy himself, and you know, I'm, I'm just glad I've got him in, around oh, no, that I can lucky. go and talk to and have a yarn to. You know, um, you know, me and my wife will meet up with him and his wife, and I'm just, I can't wait. Actually, it's going to be really nice. Um, but just I guess, so I can, I, can I just jump in and say, yeah. try and schedule a regular catch up with him. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it'll probably just with him because obviously, you know, you don't want to be having to think about your partners and kids as well. But yeah. if you, you know, say every, like I got a mate I meet with every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock since he got divorced. I meet really? Uh, and because we used to live near each other, didn't need to schedule it. Once he got divorced, we needed to schedule it. And gee, it's great. Every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, we meet down the beach, have a coffee, have a swim. Yeah. And it's been, initially I was just helping him through his divorce, but he's just a fantastic mate who's been helping me as well. So uh, if you schedule something, otherwise, you know, weeks go by. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's, your, that's your homework for Saturday morning. Get your diary. <laughs> no, I'm going. It's, it's so true. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about fatherhood. We're talking about being better dads, uh, which I think is we've come so far. But how far have we come? Has it changed much the last 30 years, you reckon? Absolutely. Well, it's changed, but so is the rest of the world. So dads, for mm. example, now... So post-war, dads were more in survival mode. My job was to provide for the family and my mum's, my wife's job was to raise the children. Seen and not heard. Loved their kids but, you know, didn't. And in a sense, kids' expectations weren't that high. Um, mm-hmm. But now dads are aware that, dad, that they're important and there's all sorts of other factors. Often the partner's working, so there's a lot more sharing of things um, 
partners have a, expectations of a relationship. You know, she's not just going to be cooking, cleaning and producing children, but she actually wants someone who's going to talk to her and they're going to share their life together and do the journey together and what have you. Also, mums are aware that dads are important. Yeah. Even separated mums know that. So, so now dads are, are hearing the message that they're important. But here's the problem. They don't know what to do. Mm. Often their own dad wasn't that great. So yeah. they don't know what to do. So although the things have changed, the fathering project's role is partly to remind dads that they're important. Some dads still need that reminder. But it's to give them tips that work, you know, like best practice tips that work from other, really from other dads mostly, but also from research. And, um, and it's become even more important now because you think about the challenges that kids face. Like you think about your little girls, right? So they're just mm. young and, you, you know, you sort of imagine nothing's going to happen to them. But the challenges of teenagers today oh. are much more scary than the challenges that when I was a teenager. So, oh, for example, yeah. methamphetamine, you can make it in the boot of your car. Mm. Kids use it as a party drug, but, you know, you can get addicted like instantaneously to methamphetamine. 32% of 17-year-old school kids binge drink, and that's boys and girls, once a month. Jeez. So independent of all the, uh, the risks, for example, for a girl who's binge drinking and, you know, what have you, there's all the brain development stuff and, you know, the self-esteem stuff when it goes on the internet. So here's the point. Dads have to step up and be involved with those issues with their kids. A cyberbullying, there's another one, obesity, teenage depression, suicide risk. If you're not involved as a dad and you don't know what to do, then you leave your kids high and dry and you give the opposition, if you like, the drug pushers a free hit. So that's why, although dads are aware and are more involved in their kids, they need a lot of help to know how to how to negotiate this. And I tell you, statistically, despite all those risks, if those kids, like you take your girls, they grow up and you're loving and affectionate and affirming and you follow what we call the bus strategy with your kids, they will be not totally immune to those risks, but their risks will plummet. Mm. They will plummet. Uh, so Good. you can feel confident that, um, you know, by being involved and learning, I guess, from what the Fathering Project teaches about this bus strategy, that your girls will be uh, a lot safer. I guess, is there more expected of us now? I mean, we've got to be more present. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we it's not just expectation, it's reasonable. So, for example, the B of the bus strategy is stands for being there. Yeah. And there's an expectation now that we will actually spend time with our kids, you know. And here's the irony. The busier you are, like you had a busy day yesterday mm. and kids are too young to know, but kids appreciate time with dad a lot more if dad is really busy. My dad's wow. busy and yet he chooses to spend time with me. I must be worth spending time with. As compared to, let's say, an unemployed dad who wants to do things with his kids because he's bored and needs some entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> So being there is an expectation that kids have. But there's a, a deeper, deeper reason for um, the being there idea, which is this. And it's like, I don't know how many poignant moments I've had uh, in my journey on the fathering project, but I'll give you one. 
I was at this hospital and I was listening to a lecture on teenage suicide and the woman who was lecturing said this teenage suicide note say something like this. There's just no one on my side. And you think about it. You want to discipline your kids and, you know, you've got to go to the deputy principal because you're in trouble again. But kids need to know you will always be there for them. You'll be there for them. And nothing will ever stop that happening, you know. And then they won't be writing that note because they know, well, you know, at least I know my dad will be there for me. At 4 o'clock in the morning when I'm full of grog, he's told me that I can ring him and he will come and get me, no questions asked, he will be there for me. Yeah. And that is an expectation that is a beautiful expectation that kids can have. Great makes advice. them feel worthwhile. It's such an important thing for dads to get. Otherwise, they get grumpy and, you know, once you get grumpy, the kids aren't going to call you at four in the morning and then, then they are left high and dry. There's no one there for them. Yeah, I, and I, I, I'm freaking out about that stuff, I'll be honest with you. I really am. And, like, I noticed that the World Health Organisation said that there should be no screen time whatsoever for kids under, I think it was two or five or something. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm really worried about it. Um and, I, and what's and you, you've written a book on this as well, which was um, what was the book again? Daughters and their dads. I mean, what's what's the biggest takeaway from that book? Um, well, with regard to fathers and daughters, uh, there's three messages, I guess. That I mean, obviously, there's lots of things that are generic to all fathers. We just talked about being there, being one, right? But that's the same for sons. What is it about daughters? And you got two of them, so what do you need to know? I tell you, the first thing is. They look to you, their dad, to know if they're beautiful. They expect mum to say it. And I'm not talking about pretty here. I'm talking about beautiful because they need to be a beautiful person, you know, inside, their smile, their, their humour, their creativity. They need to know that they are a beautiful person. Yeah. And they look to their dads for that. It's a shame that mum isn't enough, but it's just the way it works, you know, that it's a form of external validation, as they say. The second thing... They get a lot of their confidence from dad. You know, for example, we've got an election happening tomorrow and if, if a you know, 13-year-old girl says to her dad, oh, I think we should vote Greens, and dad says, oh, that's a stupid idea. I don't know why you think that. Well, let's say One Nation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we should you know, vote for One Nation. That's a stupid idea. I don't even think that. That is a confidence crusher. Whereas if dad says, hey, honey, uh, there's an election tomorrow. I just wonder what you think about things. And if she says, oh, we should vote for One Nation or whatever, I mean, I'm not making any political comment here, but mm-hmm. why do you think that? You know, like to ask her, to ask her opinion, to ask for her help when Dad does things. Yeah, Those are it. confidence builders and mm-hmm. sarcasm and criticism are confidence crushers. And it is said that the number one factor that determines the confidence an adult woman has is the relationship she had with her dad. Third thing your girls will get from you mm. is, is a sense of how they can expect to be treated by males. Yeah. If you yeah. treat them with respect, their bar of respect will be set high and they won't put up with crap from blokes. And cool. also, to be honest, how you treat your partner. They're watching that. Yeah, they're really the number one thing is how yeah. you treat them because... Yeah. And I'll tell you this, this is a frightening statistic. You can have a room full of dads and they say, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I say, look, as a doctor, I'm going to tell you something true and biological. A girl that does not get hugs 
as a teenager from her dad, begins her periods on average six months before girls who do. Just an average. Wow. In other words, the whole psychosexual part of her brain develops in the knowledge of whether she's loved and hugged, etc., or whether she's not. It is no wonder, therefore, that a girl who doesn't get affection from her dad has lifelong problems with intimacy, not sex with her dad, but intimacy with men. So they're the three things, and my book talks about them at length. Beauty, confidence, and men. Brilliant. That's such great advice. Um, <laughs> hey, I've got to well, ask well, you. Well, as, as you can tell, I've read a lot, researched yeah. a lot, talked to a lot of people. And I'm a busy doctor, right? But I'm passionate about changing the future of our young people. Yeah. I mean, the founding project's not about dads. It's about young people. What's going to change their future, make, make Australia a better place? Uh, what's going to help daughters to be, you know, adults who are confident and feel beautiful and have good relationships? So that's why I'm passionate about it. Brilliant. And I've got to ask you, um, you told us what the B was in, in bus. What's the U and the S? The U stands for unconditional love. So, you know, you imagine two kids, one's good at school, two daughters, right? you got twins, so it's not relevant. But are they identical twins, by the way? Uh, fraternal. But well, we don't know. They sort of – apparently they can – they're fraternal, basically. Okay. But we thought they were identical at right, first. Right. Well, but... let me just give an example. Let's say you've got two daughters, different ages. One's sure. pretty, one's not. One's well-behaved, be- one's not. One's good at school, one's not. One's good at sport, one's not. One's popular, one's not. And unfortunately, it's often the one girl who's got everything and the other one who's got nothing, right? So mm. it's easy for the second girl to think you would love her more if she was pretty and good at school and popular and everything. She needs to know that your love for her does not depend on any of those things. She is adorable and lovable equally. Mm. It's very hard in a competitive world, particularly with academics and people bragging about their kids all the time, very hard for the second one to feel loved. And so unconditional love is the second one. The third one, S, is to feel special. Yeah. To feel special and not just to pretend they're special but to identify how special they are and to do, here's the key, to do things that make them realise they are special. Let me give you an example. This is like a number one like popular tip with the Fathering Project. This is a tip with 100% success rate. Take your kids out on dad dates. Yeah. And this is not you and your partner and not you and three kids, not you and your mates and their kids. It's just you and one kid, mm-hmm. one on one. And here is the point. Uh, my dad's busy and he could spend time with his mates, but he chooses to spend time with me. I must be worth spending time with, which is a fantastic thing. I'll tell you, if you read the Weekend Australian last week, you'll have heard about there's a whole page on former former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. Um, when uh, his family had to move back to the electorate for various reasons and he um, his, his daughter was at school in Canberra, so he... Whenever he's in Canberra, he would catch up with her. And he took her out on a date one day because, you know, one-on-one. And, of course, he's Deputy Prime Minister. So at the restaurant, a whole table of people, oh, come and join us. And he said, no, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm on a date with my daughter. (laughs) She heard him say that and she felt like $1 million. That is how you feel special when Dad does things. And the other thing is sometimes Dad trips, you take your kid on a trip, I learned this. I took all my kids when they were 10 
each time they got to the age of 10, I took them around the world for a month to a medical conference and visiting grandparents in England and Disneyland. They remember every single moment. That's and when special. I did that, I thought, oh, this is going to be a chore, you know, oh, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to have to grip my teeth and really soldier on because it sounds like a good idea and I've got to give it a go. And I almost bailed. My yeah. wife said, you can't bail because you've told, this is my oldest son, you've told him. It was fantastic for me. Absolutely joy. One month, absolute joy. Love and this is what I've learned, you know, one-on-one times with your kids. You start doing them because you should. Yeah. And then you wouldn't stop doing it for quids because it's just so much fun. <laughs> and I feel sorry for the dads who never do it. And then it's too late and they hear about like what I just told you and they say, I wish I'd done that, you know, but the moment's gone. Yeah, yeah. I think so yeah. the S is special, making kids realise they're special. Best protection against drug addiction Mm-hmm. is for kids to realise they're special and they're worthwhile without needing drugs. So when the drugs are handed around when they're 14 year old, right, they can say, no, look, I'm going to pass, thanks, because I don't need drugs to feel okay. I feel okay already. My dad, they don't say this, they just feel it. Mm. My dad, he makes me feel worthwhile. I, I don't really need that, thanks. Yeah, and that's the most important thing, isn't it? They, they, they've got to feel wanted. They've got to feel that you're making time for them. Right, but it's... Because they're worth making time for, I think. So there's, yeah. if you think about the words, I love you, there's three ways to say it. You say, I love you. You should be grateful. I love you. Don't you, you shouldn't do this to me. But you can say, I love you. Feel my love. But the best way is to say, I love you. You are lovable. In other words, if you drop dead tomorrow, they'd still feel that they were lovable. Yeah. Whereas if you drop dead and it's I love you, that love's gone. That's a good way to think about it. I love it. I love it. Um, and look, we can talk all day, but I want to ask about the th- the fathering project. Um, tell us about it. How do we access it? And um, and what's it doing for dads? Oh, it's doing a million things. Uh, so you access it. You just Google the fathering project. It'll come up straight away. Um, so typically we do three things. Number one is we create resources. So we have a lot of web stuff, books, booklets. Uh, we have weekly tips. Uh, we have videos that the fathers groups in the schools use. So dads will get together, like I said, and they might have a 10 or 15 minute video on how you can help your kids when they're getting bullied. Mm-hmm. Or it might be on fathers and daughters, like you just asked me. Or how do you work around a busy lifestyle? What are the best tips? Or, you know, videos that these dads groups in schools use. So that's resources. We also, yeah, mostly we go to school. So if someone's at a school and they want a fathering project presence, they just have to email the contact at the fathering project and uh, we'll work out how to do that uh, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also do research because we're a university-based organisation, so it's all about research, best practice, uh, you know, when we're, we're secular, we don't have, we don't promote any ideology. We only, we're like a laser beam. Only one thing: kids need dads or a father figure. Father figure is important. We we help dads to be father figures to kids who don't have a dad. Yeah, we help uncles. grandfathers. Yep. We help uncles. We help. You know, like your daughters are going to have. Well, you've already got you cashing up with your friend on a Saturday. He yep. will become a father figure to your daughters. Yeah, it's just yeah. the way it is, right? So he needs to know how he can be a good father figure. 
I'm, yeah. I've, once I worked that out too, I realised I've got to behave differently to my kids' friends. So mm. we do that as well. So um, anyone just needs to Google the Fathering Project, make contact, and then it all happens from there. And now that we've got all this money from the federal government to roll out across the country, we can, we're much better able to, to get out to, to people and also, you know, through web resources and all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's just such a fantastic initiative. You got to, you ought to be congratulated. It's, it's so brilliant. I've had a great look at it. And um, dads out there listening, just get on it. It's fantastic. Um, Bruce, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, you, you just, you're the man for this. And uh, we're so lucky to be able to listen to your, your wonderful advice. You're welcome. Yeah, Bruce just nails it, doesn't he? Uh, I just learned so much from listening to him. And I loved his point about dads recognizing that their job being dad is important, so important, but they just don't know how to do it. I love that story about John Anderson taking his daughter out for, for dinner and other people coming up to him and he's like, no, 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 I'm here with my daughter. I'm here to spend time with her. And it's so important that our kids know that they're worth our time. They're worth us spending that quality time with them. Um, oh, so many, so many good points. Um we are 100% behind the Fathering Project and its aim to get dads engaged and doing all they can to be better at being dad. If you're in Australia and are interested in getting involved in one of the many dads groups that the Fathering Project is facilitating, or you just want to learn more about what you can do to be a better father, then get on the net and go to thefatheringproject.org. That's thefatheringproject, all one word, .org, and get involved. There are several events coming up in October and November that you should definitely check out in the events section of that website. And also make sure you register for next year's Big Push Charity Bike Ride from Sydney to Canberra. If cycling is your thing, Lycra, dads, we don't judge here at being dad. (laughs) Do your thing. In the show notes, you will find all the resources and people that Bruce mentioned as well. Um, I want some useful sites and numbers if things are not going too well for you. Thanks for listening to Being Dad. I hope that you all are getting as much from this show as we are from making it. We're just loving it. It's keeping us very, very busy, let me tell you, but it's absolutely worth it, and it's a pleasure to make it for you. We hope you're enjoying it. And if you have any questions or any suggestions, please log on to Facebook and like Being Dad with Alex Cullen and send us a message. We'd love that. We really would. Also, we've had some great reviews on iTunes so far, which is just fantastic. And uh, we love it if you have the time to rate us and give us a review because, as you no doubt know, it helps us get higher in the rankings and means that we can be of use to more dads. So, yeah, get on and, and like and send us messages and, yeah, let's really get the word out there. Subscribe to Being Dad wherever you get your podcasts and please share, share, share. I'll leave you now with a quote from a famous dad. Who are we going to go with this week? I think it's going to be Michael Bublé. We all know him, the famous crooner, the Canadian crooner, who said, Fatherhood is the greatest thing that could ever happen. You can't explain it until it happens. It's like telling someone what water feels like before they've ever swam in it. The boob true that my friend (laughs) thanks so much for listening and i'll talk to you next week this was a seven west podcast the producer is jake taylor nikki hamilton is our executive producer